Welcome to Better Animal Handling, Chapter 6, Episode the center of Missouri, USA. I'm C.B. Chastain, your guide to better animal handling, and Abby, my cattle dog and gender diversity co-host. Say hi, Abby. Our goals are to improve your knowledge of why domestic animals, from chihuahuas to Clydesdales, act as they do and how to better handle them safely and humanely. Today's episode is on handling chinchillas, dagoos, and sugar gliders. Our topics for this week are the behavior and handling of chinchillas, dagu behavior and how to handle them, handling sugar gliders and their natural behavior. Chinchillas are soft, odorless rodents and rarely bite. They're indigenous to the Andes Mountains of South America at 10,000 to 15,000 feet, living in groups of up to 100 individuals. Their native environment is high altitude, dry, rocky slopes, cold but not frigid weather, and low humidity. From at least the 16th century, their skins were used to decorate the ceremonial dress of the Chincha Indians, from whom their name was derived. Europeans later hunted chinchillas to near extinction for their pelts. They were exported in the 1930s to be farm-raised for their pelts or kept as companion pets. Chinchillas have large ears with a similar structure and range of hearing of humans. Because of this, they've been used as an animal model for our human ear research. Chinchillas are sexed using the AG distance. A female has a urethral cone that resembles a penis, but it sits directly in front of the anus. In the male, there's bare skin between the anus and the urethral opening. Chinchilla genders are simply referred to as a male and a female. Young chinchillas are kits. Chinchillas are nocturnal relatives of guinea pigs and have extremely dense, soft fur. Their fur has about 50 to 60 hair shafts per follicle compared to 10 to 15 in most dogs and 1 per follicle in humans. Their hair coat is virtually impenetrable with water. Chinchillas clean themselves by fine dust bathing. First slip, tufts of hair that are pulled from their follicles is the primary means of defense after hiding. Other means of defense are bluffing by standing on their hind legs, chattering, barking, spitting, and urinating directly at their perceived threat. Their dense hair coat provides good protection against cold, even below freezing, but temperatures above 80 degrees Fahrenheit can cause heat stroke. Their broad ear flaps aid in dissipating the heat. Chinchillas have strong back legs and are very good at leaping. Young ones can leap over six feet high and have no fear of heights, but this characteristic puts them at high risk for falling injuries. Chinchillas sit on their rump and eat using their forepaws. They eat primarily at night and pass most of their feces at night. Like rabbits and some of their rodents, they eat cecotropes, 
special nutrient feces in the mornings to supplement their nutrition. Abby says she likes egg McMuffins in the morning, but she'll pass on chinchilla poop burgers. I have to agree, Abby. Chinchillas have a rounded body, large mouse-like ears, and a long, furry, squirrel-like tail and short legs. They're cautious animals that, with patience, can often lead them to be easily captured, although they're quick and can jump distances several times their body length. If feeling threatened, they'll try to urinate on a handler. Care must be taken not to startle them since they may leap hazardously and fracture their back. They usually like to be petted, but even well-tamed chinchillas do not relax when they're being held. Chinchillas love raisins, which can be used as a lure to catch them. However, more than two raisins in a day may cause diarrhea. Previously handled chinchillas can be cupped with both hands and swept toward the handler's body. Grabbing their hair coat will cause fur slip. Fur slip requires at least six to eight weeks to regrow and may come back a different color. Holding the base of the tail to prevent jumping while supporting the body is an acceptable hold. They should never be lifted by their tail or ears or be scruffed. For greater restraint, the handler should grasp the shoulders with one hand and hold the hind legs with the other in the same manner as holding a guinea pig. The handler can hold the base of the tail to prevent jumping and support the body with the other hand. Examination table surfaces should be covered by a towel or other non-slip material. Further restraint can be achieved by wrapping in a small towel. The Daegu is from semi-arid regions of north-central Chile. Their ears are large to aid in heat dissipation. They're also called the Chilean squirrels and brush-tailed rats. They hold food with their forepaws similar to North American squirrels. Daegus are related to guinea pigs and chinchillas and have long-haired tails and look like large gerbils. They've been used as a research model for development and aging. Daegus cannot be kept legally as pets in California, Georgia, and Alaska. Pet shops that carry Daegus for sale and breeders of Daegus must be licensed by the USDA. Female Daegus do not have a gap between the anus and the urinary cone, while in males there is a gap. There is a special name for Daegu genders. A male Daegu is a male and a female is a female. Young Daegus are called pups. Daegus are social, diurnal, which means active during daytime rodents, that are coprophagic. They're good jumpers. They like to live in groups and burrows and clean themselves with dust boughs, as do chinchillas. Although active, curious, and willing to approach humans, Daegus do not like a lot of handling. When possible, they should be picked up with one hand supporting the hindquarters and the other supporting the thorax just behind the forelegs. They should never be picked up by their tail due to the risk of a degloving injury. If socialized as juveniles, Daegus can be handled in the same manner as guinea pigs. Restraint by wrapping in a towel may be used if necessary. Sugar gliders are small, 5 to 7 inches long, tree-living, 
nocturnal marsupials from Tasmania, Indonesia, New Guinea, and Eastern Australia. They became a popular pet in the United States in the 1980s. Export of sugar gliders from Australia has been banned since 1959. They're illegal in California, Pennsylvania, Hawaii, and Alaska to prevent biopollution. There are no special gender names for sugar gliders. They're called male and female sugar gliders. Young sugar gliders are called joys. Sugar gliders are nocturnal. All of their activity occurs at night. Females have pouches on their abdomen. Males have a bald spot, which is a scent gland on their head. Males use their head glands and similar scent glands on their sternum and near their cloaca to mark other gliders and their territory. If frightened, male and female gliders will express their paracloacal scent glands. The secretion has a spoiled fruit odor. They also mark their territory with their urine. They're very protective of their territory, and new sugar gliders not marked by the colony's dominant male will be attacked. Sugar gliders have 40 to 46 teeth. Two incisors are large and point forward, which are used to penetrate the bark of trees. They're able to glide over 100 feet between tree limbs and spreading their legs and using a fold of skin called the patagium between their front and rear legs like a parachute and using their tail like a rudder. They have five digits on each foot. The inner digit on the hind feet is bulbous without a claw and opposing to the others like a human thumb. This allows them to easily grasp limbs. The second and third digits on the hind feet are fused together and aids the glider in grooming its hair coat. In the wild, sugar gliders live in colonies of 10 to 15 individuals in trees. They nest in hollows of trees and feed on insects and plant nectar. Their principal predator in the wild is the owl. As a result, sugar gliders become very stressed when they're in the presence or sound of birds. Vocalizations include chattering for attention, yapping like a small dog when alarmed, and high-pitched crabbing when startled. Abby says, yapping and crabbing? That sounds like me and you. Well, it definitely sounds like one of us, Abby. Sugar gliders should not be awakened to be caught, as this causes them significant stress. When awake, those that have been socialized to humans and juveniles may stay in the handler's open hand. If they must be caught, they can vocalize in many different sounds when disturbed, and they can inflict a bite or gouge with their incisors. The neck can be grasped with the handler's thumb and middle finger and the index finger on top of the head. Cloth bags can be averted over the handler's hand. After grasping a glider, a cloth is folded back over the glider, leaving the head exposed. Towels can be useful aids in capturing gliders, but looped cloths should not be used, nor cloths or towels with loose threads. Sugar gliders' feet can be easily caught in the loops or loose threads, causing serious injuries. Increasing the light in the capture room or using a flashlight may cause them to freeze long enough to use a towel for capture. Safe physical restraint of sugar gliders is difficult. Scruffing the loose skin on the back can be done for restraint, although this will elicit 
loud crabbing from the glider. Most procedures require chemical restraint. Care should be taken to prevent their claws from getting caught in the handler's clothing fabric. If a toe is caught, freeing the toe may inadvertently injure the toe, wrist, or ankle. Your toenails may need to be trimmed periodically. Now, let's recap the key points to remember from today's episode. Never grasp a chinchilla by its fur or by the tip of the tail. Either may slip off. Degus should be handled with two hands. Care is needed to prevent sugar glider's toenails from being caught in restraint towels or handler's clothing. Abby says it's time to wrap up this episode. More information on animal handling is available in my book, Animal Handling and Physical Restraint, published by CRC Press. It's also available on Amazon and from many other fine book supply sources. Don't forget, serious injury or death can result from handling and restraining some animals. Safe and effective handling and restraint requires experience and continual practice. Acquisition of the needed skills should be under the supervision of an experienced animal handler. Thanks for listening. Abby and I hope you'll come back next week when I'll talk about handling hedgehogs and rabbits. Hey, Abby, what are you working on? Oh, you're filling out your ballot? Oh, yeah, I remember. Dogs can vote if they use mail-in ballots. What? You're doing a write-in? Snoop Dogg? Sure, why not? Thank you.